The Savior of the Lord, of the world, has been born. You know, it's really incredible when you think about how much God loved us. You know, and that in our wickedness and our evilness and our despair and loneliness and hatred and all the things that we go through, that he would love us so much that he would send that beautiful baby boy to be born, to pay a price, to ultimately die on a cross, to, to pay a price that we, of course, could never pay. Side note. Thank you, Vicki. I know I'm already off my notes, but I love you. For those of you who don't know, Vicky's interpreting in Spanish, so, so uh, thank you, Vicky. So today is an interesting day. It's the last Sunday of the year. This message will, in 2022 will be next Sunday, will be the first one, and so that'll be an exciting time. The Savior of the world has been born. We have heard about this message coming and coming and coming for so long through the Old Testament prophets. They heard it for years that this Messiah was coming and coming and coming, and now he has arrived. How incredible is that? Lord, as we come before you this morning, we just want to thank you, Lord, for this time, this opportunity, Lord, to come together, to meet together, to worship you in spirit and in truth. The fact of the matter is, Lord, you did come. And even a greater factor, Lord, is that you will come again and take us home with you, Lord Jesus. We thank you. We give you that glory. We give you that honor. I thank you for all those in attendance this morning. I thank you for those who are watching online, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, that you would give us ears to hear what you would say individually, Lord, and corporately as your word goes out. Lord, it's not my words, it's your words. And I pray, Lord, that we would take them to heart. We would believe them by faith, Lord. Your promises are yes and amen. And so as we look at this promise of rest, Lord, may we believe it. May we walk in it. In Jesus' name, amen. So now this Savior of the world has come. And now what? What are we going to do? What are we going to do that the Savior has come? Are we just going to kick back on our laurels? Are we going to get busy about God's business? It is so easy to set back. It is so easy to set in the pew. It is so easy to get comfortable in our sin. Sometimes we need a boost. Sometimes we need a, like a real dose of reality. See, this thing that we're talking about is for all eternity. It's not just for today. It's for all eternity. Some of the things that I may say today may be a little coarse or a little, you know, cut to the quick for you as it was for me as I had to put this message together. And Lord had to speak to me about some of the convictions and some of the things that are going on even in my life. Because in spite of my intro from Pastor Michael, I am nowhere close to perfect. And so what do we do? 
We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 4, and we're going to hear about rest, the promise of this rest that still remains. What rest are we talking about? A few weeks ago, we talked about the Sabbath rest. As Genesis 2, 2, as God created everything, and on the seventh day, he rested. So we ought to, as well, have a time of rest. Amen, church? But the rest that we're talking about here is the rest that we have associated with a personal relationship with our Creator. It's a rest in the hope and the assurance of salvation, the hope that lies beyond the grave. That's what we're talking about in this rest that we're going to be looking at today. The rest in the knowledge and the hope of eternal salvation. One of the struggles that we have in our flesh is unbelief. Question, do we really believe that the Messiah came yesterday? Symbolically, of course, please. Do we really believe that, that the Savior of the world came? If you don't believe that, you can't believe the rest of the story. You can't believe the rest of the reality of what took place in time. For some 33 years before he hung on the cross and said it was finished. Do you believe that he came? We have had good news preached to us. Interesting that they wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years, this close to being in the promised land. And because of their unbelief, they never made it. Interesting, I can relate to the 40 years of wandering. I was 40 years old when I realized that I was tired, worn out, and that I needed rest. And the kind of rest I needed, only the Lord could give. So one day, in an appointed time, an appointed day, I reached out and I asked for help. I can't help but think of Peter who was walking on the water took his eyes off the Lord and needed help. Needed a helping hand. Needed somebody to reach down and his creator was there. And he helped him. He picked him up and pulled him out of the water just like each and every one of us has been reached down and picked up if you believe. If you believe that baby was born, if you believe that baby died and hung on a cross for the remission of your sins, my sins, do you believe? He reached down and gave Peter that rest that he needed, a hand, a hand of hope, and the hand that said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He took my hand, and he's never let go. You too can experience the rest if only you believe. The rest of assurance of salvation. Wow, I've really gone off my notes. <laughs> Praise the Lord. My notes probably wouldn't work. So if you will, I want to let's back up to Hebrews chapter 3 just for a minute. I know we're going to be in the Texas chapter 4, but I want to back up to chapter 3 just for, just for a second. I think we need to see here where the failure, uh, the failure of the wilderness wanders. In chapter 3, verses 12 to 19, 
says this, take care, brethren, that there not be any one of you evil, unbelieving hearts that fall away from the living God, but encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you hardened will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Verse 14, for we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. 15, while it is said, today if you harden, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. For who provoked him when they had heard? Indeed, did not all those who came out of Egypt led by Moses and with whom he was angry for 40 years, was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that he would not enter his rest? But to those who were what? Disobedient. 19. So we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. The writer's argument here is that unbelief kept the Israelites out of the land of Canaan. Canaan here is a picture of God's rest. How much more serious today to give way to unbelief, thus miss the greater rest, the rest of justification and salvation. This warning is for all. And when I say all, I mean me, I mean you, I mean all of us. For some of us have been wandering and it's become a way of life. The Israelites wandered for 40 years. The promise of rest was within their grasp. But unbelief destroyed any hope of the promise of the rest for those who chose not to believe. I can relate, again, for those 40 years that I talked about even just a little while ago. Those 40 years of wandering around, looking for everything, anything that would satisfy the hole in my heart. Filling it with all sorts of things only you can imagine. And then more. In Hebrews chapter 4, we're going to move on. Verses 1 through 11, we're finally going to read our text, so we'll see where it goes from there. Therefore, let us fear, why promise remains, hallelujah, a promise remains, church, of entering his rest. Anyone may seem to have come short of it. For indeed, we have gone, God had good news preached to us, just as they also But the word that they did not profit them because they were not united by faith in those who heard. For we have, for we who have believed enter that rest, just as he said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. Verse four, for he has said somewhere concerning the Sabbath day, And God rested on the Sabbath day from all his works. And again, this passage, they shall enter my rest, verse 6. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience, he again fixes a certain day. Catch it. Today. Today. Today saying, though David, after so long a time, just has been said before, today, 
if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Verse 8, for if Joshua, Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works, as God did from his. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. And all of God's children said, Amen. It's the arrest of the, the, the rest of assurance of our salvation. In verse 1, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work out of the NLT now, the New Living Transmission, only because it was a little bit easier for me to grasp it as I went through. So in the NLT verse, it says, God promises of entering his rest still stands. As long as we're breathing air in and out in this time, salvation's still at hand. There's still that rest for each and every one of us and those who do not believe. I believe this church is filled with believers today, although I cannot ever assume that because we don't know the heart of people. You can never assume that somebody really knows the Lord because there are a lot of good actors. Another term for actor is hypocrite. And God does not honor that. So it says, so we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. That should break your heart for those who do not have the ability or the capability to even grasp the understanding of the salvation or the rest of assurance that comes with our Lord. Not everyone made it into the promised land. The fact is nobody made it into the promised land. I don't know how many people there was. Could have been a million. Could have been, who knows how many people. I don't know. But none of them made it in the promised land because of their disobedience. They're this close. And I think for us today, there are so many people, so many people even sitting in our pews of our church today are this close to the promised land. And they're not grabbing it. So we should be in tears. We should be in trembling fear for those who are on the edge and not quite going to make it. Verse 2, it says, For this news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was to them. But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. There was a disconnect why is there a disconnect? Because sometimes our, hard, our hearts are hardened. Sometimes there's the old saying, you can't see the forest for the trees. Sometimes we're just blinded by the things that go by. The twinkling lights that go by, you go down the freeway and get distracted at different off-ramps by the twinkling lights. We seem to lose our way. They heard about the deliverance into the promised land. And we here today have heard about the same message. But our promised land is heaven. Eternity with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's not some temporary place, you might say, this promised land. And it's even after seeing and living through all the miracles that they went through for those 40 years, they still didn't grasp a hold of it. 
They didn't grasp a hold of it. Shame. So what does it mean to harden your heart? I think that's kind of important that we understand what that means. Your heart, my heart, may be a little hard, especially pre-Christ, right? In fact, the Bible says our heart's deceitfully wicked even, right? Who can know it? But Christ can resensitize your conscience and he can soften your heart. The hardening of one heart can happen to anyone. Anyone. None of us are exempt. Every time you hear the gospel, every time you hear God's offer of forgiveness and you reject it, your heart gets a little harder. It's kind of like the, I've experienced this even myself, is that if I don't go to church one week for some reason, you know, that's okay, right? The next week, uh, well, it gets a little easier. And all of a sudden, it gets to the point where, you know, why do I really need to go today? And now, I don't really need to go because we have the... uh, the uh, live stream situation, right? And I, I'm not getting on people who are watching on live stream. I know there's people that need that and that's all fine and good. And I appreciate that. But the fact of the matter is sometimes we use that as an excuse. Well, I don't need to go because I can just watch it online. But the fact of the matter is, in my, you know, I can vouch for this, is that it gets real easy to lay in bed and not watch it. It gets real easy to get comfortable because I can just lay back in my recliner and I don't have to fellowship with anybody. I don't even have to, I don't even have to get dressed up. I can just lounge around. I can pet my dogs. I can do whatever I want to do and it's cool. But But the real underlying problem, there's this tendency for the hardened heart. It doesn't happen to everybody. Please, I'm not throwing a blanket thing out there that's going to happen. I'm just saying there's that potential. And I don't want that potential in my life. I don't want that hardened heart. Every time we hear the gospel and we don't respond, we don't react. Don't harden your heart means for us to stop or to cause one from feeling kindness and compassion. So God can soften the hardened heart. God actually gives us a softened heart when we turn to him and search for healing. Healing from our hardened heart. God is so rich in forgiveness and love that he will start softening your heart as soon as you ask him in faith. I'm sure you've experienced that. There are certain certain times when I hear people speak or there are certain songs that Shane sings or I hear on the radio that that drive me to tears because it's just an emotional overflow of love and compassion and thinking about what that song really means. Before, I would care less. But he gives you that softened heart where you're really able to soak in and absorb and to really have compassion and show kindness for other people. And even yourself. We should tremble in fear for those who are left behind. We should. The fear here is afraid for them. 
And it's okay to be afraid for someone or even yourself. Being afraid is the emotion that God has given us to detect and stay away from danger. I'm afraid of snakes. I can scream like a little girl. <laughs> Tell you, I can. But I love going to the desert and I've run across a few snakes. I've even played golf at Hidden Valley and we ran across a six or eight foot uh, rattlesnake. We played golf at Hidden um, Eagle Glen and we ran across a snake and they, they, they scare me. I'm afraid of them. But I don't just walk up on them and, you know, I have a, a respect and a fear for them, but a fear that I'm afraid because I know if they bite me, I'm going to be sicker than a dog if I don't die. So what do you do? You step back and you reevaluate your position and, and you take the necessary steps to get out of danger. Well, I got to say there's a real and present danger for those who do not believe. Verse 3 says, for only we who believe can enter his rest. As for the others, God said, in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. Even though this rest has been ready since the world was made. I didn't want this to be like a beat up, beat you up kind of sermon or message. I want you to be encouraged. I want you to be enlightened. I want you to be on top of things when it comes to resting in the assurance of your salvation. But, I'm, but I, can't, I can't just take these verses out of it. it. It's very serious when it says, for as for the others, in my anger I took a note that they will not enter my place of rest. That's why I was saying, in the very beginning of the message, do you believe? Because we're walking really a very thin line between heaven and hell. Either you believe or you don't believe. You can't, you can't ride the fence with God. See, I know that most of you here are believers, if not all. I, of course, I don't know. But I hope you're not riding the fence. I hope you're not here just because it's a Christmas service. I hope you didn't come to the candlelight service because it was just a Christmas service. I hope you don't come next week because it's just a New Year service. I hope you come because you really love the Lord and because you really want to know about him. You want that more intimate, personal relationship with him. Listen, if you're coming here just to please somebody else, yeah, you're kind of wasting your time. Because it doesn't work that way. In Psalm 95, verses 8 to 11, it says this. The Lord says, sound familiar? Don't harden your hearts as Israel did at Meribah, which means rebellion. You can reference back to Exodus 18. In the wilderness, verse 9, for there your ancestors tested and they tried my patience, even though they saw everything I did, all the test, all the witnesses, all the miracles, all the things that he did. Verse 10, for 40 years I was angry. And I said, they are a people whose hearts turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. Verse 11, so in my anger, I took an oath that they will never 
enter my rest. And all of God's children said, ouch, ouch. That's hard to swallow. There is a true and present danger today, even in the church. It seems that more and more Christians are falling away from their faith. The generations are coming up and not staying in the church any longer. They're moving on. The colleges, colleges are teaching things which are contrary to the word of God. And we should be concerned, but we should even be afraid, afraid for the eternal destiny for their soul. It's not a shock to God, but it certainly is to us who believe, how could this thing happen in our world? How can things be turned, oh, all so upside down? That's why I ask the question, do you believe? It starts with us in the church. If we don't really believe, how are and why would the next and the next and the next generation believe? What are they going to follow? Fill in the blank. As Pastor Michael alluded to earlier, I come from a church that dealt with hardened hearts. Some in conditions you would not wish on your own enemy. Some beat up on the streets, some abused by family and friends, some even hurt in the church. Many have tried to end it, end it all. But, but the hope we have in Christ did get some through. The difference for those who made it and those who didn't was being able to enter into his rest. There's that internal battle, that struggle, that fight that continually goes on. Even if you're not wrapped up in addictions, it's the world itself that we continually battle against. Between the government and the viruses and all the different things that are going on, we're still in this battle. We're still in this struggle. Understanding why this baby that was born yesterday is so important to each and every one of us. When you enter into his rest, instead of trying to rest on your own, you will succeed. Question, whose rest are you in? Are you resting in the one that was born to give you the rest? Are you resting in the one that was born to die to give you the rest? I think so. I think for the most part. I think that you want to or you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be watching online. You wouldn't care one way or the other. But there are times when we have doubts. There are times when we have insecurities because we're in this body that's terrible in a sense. Because we love sin. We, we love to do the things that we want to do and Sometimes God says, no, you can't do that. So we rebel and do it anyway. It's called disobedience. But see, he came. He came so that we could have forgiveness. He came so that we could have grace and mercy and all those things poured out on us even when we do fall short. And we do, right, church? Do we not fall short? But he reaches down and he gives us, picks us back up. He loves us 
that much. Let's get back to the text. Verse 3, for only, only we believe can enter the rest. As for the others, God said, I am my anger. I took a note. They will never enter my rest. Even though the rest has been ready since the made, verse 4, we know it is ready because of the place in the scriptures where he mentions the seventh day. On the seventh day, God rested. He rested from creation, Genesis 2, 2. But in the other passage, God said, they will never enter my place of rest, Psalm 95, 11. So God's rest here is for people to enter, but those who first heard this news failed to enter because of their disobedience to God, their choice, their choice to rebel. They had the good and they had the evil. They choose evil over good. That's the struggle that we all have. We all have that struggle. It's not, it's not an uncommon struggle. See, I think to be forewarned is to have foreknowledge. See, we already know that these things are going to happen so we can deal with it accordingly. I like to know what's coming my way. I don't always, but I like to know what's coming my way because then I can set up a, a preventive way of walking through it. He sets up that way to make a way of escape, if you will. So God said another... I'm sorry, verse six. So God rest in their people to enter, but those who first heard the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. So God set another time for entering his rest. And that time is today. Can you say amen? amen. Time is today. Second Corinthians 6, 2 says, today is the day of salvation. Entering his rest. That's the time is today. God announced much later in his words already quoted. Today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Psalm 95, 7 and 8. Hebrews 4, 8 through 11 says this. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another, after, another day after that. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works. And God did from his. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fail. Though following the same example of disobedience, Now, if Joshua had succeeded in giving them this rest, God would not have spoken about another day of rest to come. So there is a special rest. My thought is eternal rest. Waiting for the people of God. Verse 10, for all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter the rest. But if we do disobey, but if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fall. The work of Joshua in leading Israel into rest symbolized by the promised land was far inferior to the work of Jesus. Jesus provides us eternal rest to all who believe in him. The fact that God repeats his promise of the rest 
through, Psalm, through David in Psalm 95, centuries after Israel had entered, is used to indicate Sabbath rest is the substance. Canaan rest is but a shadow. Did you get that? Sabbath rest is a substance. Canaan rest is a shadow. There was an experience of rest for Israel in Canaan from natural disasters, from um, armed invasions, failures of crops, when they were faithful to God. But even at best, even at best, that rest was outward. Essentially, it was a physical rest and could not satisfy the promise of rest that the human race which was intended from the beginning. He came so that we could have this hope of assurance of salvation, eternal rest, this peace that surpasses all understanding, where in Revelation 21, 4 says there's no more pain, no more sorrow, no more suffering. Do you believe that? I want to give you a a few statements. I have, uh, Pastor Michael gave me a book by uh, Ray C. Stedman. It's called Hebrews. <laughs> cool. And he, he says this, and, I, and this is, I think it's pretty cool because it helps bring to understanding what this Sabbath rest and rest that we're talking about means. And there's three meanings. The promised land was the rest for those who were wandering in the, in the wilderness. Their hope was that promised land that was across the river that they could never attain because of their disobedience. The second meaning of their Sabbath or this particular rest is the one we talked about, Pastor Michael shared on the too long ago. It was regarding the weekly Sabbath rest. Like God, six days he created the heavens and the earth and on the seventh day he rested. The third rest here describes the introduction to believers into eternal life, but also depicts the process by which we continue to work and live, namely dependent on God to be at work through us, Philippians 2.13. It is God who works in you to will and act accordingly to good purpose. I don't know where we're at on timeline. I guess that's I have a few more things that I want to share and then, and then we're going to wind it down. The rest that we can enter into is the assurance of salvation. I keep saying it over and over again. Are you resting in the assurance of salvation? Resting in the promises of God? God fulfills his promise. All of God's promises are yes and amen. He fulfills them. That's why, symbolically, yesterday we celebrated the birth of our Savior of the world. We now have rest from the law because he came. I don't know about you, but I can't even keep the first two. And then there was 613 at that time. Can you imagine trying to keep 613 laws? What a job that would be to try to, to do that. But because he came and died, he gave us grace and he gave us rest from those. Grace and mercy. The rest in this world is temporal at best. Temporal at best. 
After church, we may go home and stretch out, and that rest, that rest is temporal because eventually you're going to get back up and you're going to start doing things again, and you're going to wear yourself out again. But the rest we're talking about here is eternal rest. We rest one day and toil the next. There's an old thing they call it chasing your tail. Going around and around and around. Around and around. Never, never reaching that rest that we really need. So it's time to trust in the Lord for all things, not just some. You are a child of God. And all the promises for you who believe. Again, do you believe? I hope so. I really hope so. Shane, if you want to come up, up, I'm going to close with uh, some afterthoughts, if that's all right. It's pretty close to the time anyway. Uh, This morning, as I was driving over here, I was, you know, thinking about this message and things like that, and God kind of put something on my heart. And I, I don't know if it's somebody needs to hear it or not, for whatever that's worth, right? So I'm I'm not proclaiming to do anything special except for share what God put on my heart this morning. And it's simply this, to the kids. This is a family Sunday. To the kids that are here this morning, please hear this. Rest in God. But also rest in knowing that God has given you the perfect parents. You may not think they're perfect, and no, they're not perfect, but they're perfect for you because God gave them to you. To the parents, rest in God, but always rest in the hope that God has given you the perfect child or kids. He has given you the perfect kids for you And he will give you the ability to teach them, to train them up in the admonition of the Lord. And remember to always be a role model for the kids. God has given you that ability to do that. To the married couples, rest in God, knowing that God has brought the perfect person for you and you alone. I think of my wife. Kind of a strange story. We only knew each other two weeks before we got married. (laughs) To the day, two weeks. I don't recommend that for anybody. (laughs) I don't recommend that for anybody, even though it's been a success. But the first three years were hell for her because that was my BC days. But I wouldn't trade her for a car. (laughs) If you guys know, I'm really in, I have car fetish. (laughs) I have car issues. But I wouldn't trade her for anything because she's the perfect one. To To the single ladies, rest in God knowing that he will bring the perfect man for you in due time. Yeah. He will, but you got to be patient, right? A lot of times I see men and women go fishing in the wrong holes. 
you have to understand, I come from a drug and alcohol background. <laughs> so they go to AA or NA, and that, that's, I'll leave it at that. They go fishing in the wrong holes. To the single men, same thing. Rest in the Lord, knowing that he will bring you the perfect lady, the perfect one for you that will be able to tolerate you. (laughs) To the widows and the widowers, for you, rest in God, knowing that he is with you, always to comfort and strengthen you through the tough times and through the blessed times. Lord, as we come before you this morning, I just want to thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be here this morning. I want to thank you, Lord, for each and every one that showed up this morning, either online or in person. I pray, Lord, that they would understand the idea of resting in the Lord, to be able to rest in the assurance of our salvation. We don't have to work. We don't have to plan. We don't have to prod. We don't have to rob and steal. It's a free gift from you, Lord. The assurance of salvation. The assurance that if we die today, that we would be in the presence of the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be in the presence of the Lord. I pray that for these families that are represented here today, Lord, for the kids, for the parents, for the couples, for the singles, men and women, for our widowers, and our widows, that you would have that peace that surpasses all understanding, that you would understand that God has got your back. God is the driving force if you believe. For those of you who may not believe, maybe on the fence, online, I pray that you would get off the fence, that you too would have this rest and this peace that only God can give. Maybe you've been chasing things, chasing your tail. Maybe you've been running around like a chicken with his head cut off, looking for that one thing that will satisfy that hole in your heart. And I'm here to tell you it's Jesus. Jesus will satisfy you. He will give you rest. He will give you peace. I pray, Lord, that as we go about the rest of this week, Lord, the new year coming, 2022, I pray, Lord, that you would just bless it. Even now as we come together, Lord, that you would touch each and every family represented. That this coming year, Lord, would be a time of rest, a time of peace, a time of security, strength, comfort, wisdom, knowledge, all those things, Lord. Prosperity, that they would do well, healthy, and Lord, give them the desires of of their hearts. So we thank you, Lord. We bless you. We give you honor. We give you glory. In Jesus' most precious name, amen, church.